Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode today, we are joined by a plethora of gentlemen who are going to be talking through a lot of fun topics. And this unofficial episode title is Ask Me Anything with Dries, the founder of Drupal and CTO of Acquia. This is going to be really talking about some key takeaways from DrupalCon, translating Drupal's vision to reality, what's next, and more. And as this is a follow-up to DrupalCon, which happened just a couple weeks ago, we wanted to sit down with Dries to talk more about all things Drupal, Acquia, and more. So Dries, welcome to the show. Very excited to have you here. I also have alongside me Peter from the AmericanEagle.com partners team and Jason, who is in charge of our Drupal practice here at American Eagle and a great technical lead in mind. All of us joining you together, both from remote and in studio at AmericanEagle.com studios. So today I wanted to give a little bit of time to just talk about Dries, right? Can't have a guest on the show without an introduction. And so we're very excited to have Dries, who is the original creator and project lead for the Drupal open source web publishing and collaboration platform. He also serves as president of the Drupal Association, a nonprofit organization formed to help Drupal flourish, and is also the co-founder and chief technology officer of Acquia, a venture-backed software company that offers products and services for Drupal. Alongside of all of that, he is also a co-founder of Molum, a web service that helps you identify content quality and more, importantly, helps you stop website spam, a very important aspect in today's world. A native of Belgium, he holds a PhD in computer science and engineering from Ghent University and a licentiate computer science MSc from the University of Antwerp. In 2008, he was also elected Young Entrepreneurs of Tech by Business Week, as well as a Young Innovator Award. And in 2012, Ernest & Young gave him the Entrepreneur of the Year Award for New England. Wow. Uh, what a bio script for me to read. Dries, welcome to the show. If you just want to tell a little bit about just where you came from uh, and, and kind of what inspired you for the creation of everything. And then we'll jump into some of our questions, uh, but really want to let you introduce yourself and maybe a little bit about both Drupal, the association, and Acquia. You've got a lot of different backgrounds to bring to the table. And then uh, we'll do some quick intros with Jason and Peter as well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, by the way. Well, um, that's a big question, and I can go on for hours, actually, about that one question. But I actually started Drupal by accident, if you will, out of my dorm room in Belgium. I was studying computer science, and you know, PHP and MySQL, two of the technologies that Drupal is built on, were kind of new technologies, and I figured I would spend a couple nights dabbling with these uh, new technologies to learn them. At our dorm, we also, you know, had a need for a message board, and so I'm like, yeah, oh, maybe I should spend a couple nights, you know, building a message board with PHP and MySQL, and that actually led to Drupal, believe it or not. So it be it was an internal message board. It evolved into sort of an experimental platform. Eventually, turned into a content management system, and so. That was 21 or 22 years ago, a long time ago now. And so I've been working on Drupal ever since. And for the first seven years of Drupal, it was a hobby project. It's what I would do at night or on the weekends and eventually turn that passion into my full-time job. I'm skipping a lot of steps here in the history of Drupal and Acquia, but seven years into Drupal, you know, it was starting to take off. You know, we would have conferences, several hundred people would show up. We saw large websites being built on Drupal. Like I remember uh, MTV.com switched to Drupal and it crashed. 
And so I would spend my nights on the phone with, you know, engineers uh, over at MTV trying to, you know, help them uh, fix their Drupal site. And so made me realize that in order for Drupal to be successful, it needed a company like Acquia to provide, you know, enterprise support and services to these larger Drupal users. And so it led me to co-found Acquia in 2007. So I've been doing Acquia for 15 or 16 years as well. And Acquia has grown to, you know, obviously it was born out of Drupal, but has grown from a CMS company to a DXP or digital experience platform company uh, over the years. I'm sure we can talk about that more, but that's a little bit how all these things tie together, you know, and then the Drupal Association is a nonprofit and it's a nonprofit to help the Drupal project. And we provide like Drupal.org, our website. By the way, that website, Drupal.org gets 2 million unique visitors a month which is kind of an insane number, yeah. but like, and so we needed an organization to run that website. You know, we have a, a, a small engineering team, a small but mighty engineering team to just kind of run the website. And then we, our conferences grew to thousands of people attending. And so we needed an actual event management team, you know, because putting on one DrupalCon takes a couple of million dollars. You know, it's a lot of work to put on an event that size. And so, you know, the success of Drupal led to the need for the Drupal Association to help support the project. And so that's how all these things kind of tie together a little bit, you know. But the central theme of my career, I guess, has been around Drupal, content management, and DXP systems. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the growth of just where the web content management systems came from into the CMSs, into the DXPs now, has been just an incredible evolution of the technologies, the additions of tools within to be a bit more of a, a one-stop shop in a sense, but then also needing, like you mentioned, the, the need for Acquia with regards to just that enterprise level support when it is so popular, it is handling sites with millions of visitors regularly um, from That's that right. uh, whole performance aspect. and. We all know how important that is today with the mobile device usage, right? And the fact that uh, even with higher speed cellular services, the first impression of your brand is typically going to be within seconds of someone going to your website on a small screen, typically in transit somewhere. And right. so it's just incredible to see that growth of the features and, and functionality of Drupal itself, but then also the additional services that you know are there to support all organizations of, of all sizes. That's uh, right. With that background and everything, I want to give a little bit of background from Peter and then Jason as well. So if you, Peter, you want to kind of start and just kind of give a little bit about your role here at AmericanEagle.com. Yeah. yeah, sure. So Peter Gavrilos, I have been with AmericanEagle.com now for probably around like three and a half years since I've joined. I've always been a member of the partnerships team. I'm now one of our partner directors in my role, kind of relating to this podcast and this conversation with Dries, is I manage the relationships with our partners who deal with Drupal, uh, Acquia included. So I actually, you know, had the pleasure of attending Acquia's sales and marketing kickoff, and I saw Dries speak remotely. I think he was you were still based in Belgium. And, you know, I, I saw the talk. It was great. And then a few weeks later, AmericanEagle.com decided that we were going to attend our first DrupalCon. So was very excited to go. As an organization, we hadn't been before. I hadn't been myself personally. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting Dries at uh, a dinner that was kind of co-hosted between Acquia and the Drupal Association. And, 
you know, maybe I had a couple, you know, glasses of wine or I wasn't fully comprehending like who who Dries was. But, you know, I, I got to meet him and, and speak with him. And it was a great casual conversation. I don't think it really clicked in my head who he was like. I complimented your hair. I I was like, you know, admiring the camera you had on your shoulder. I was like, you know, Portland's a great place for photography. And it wasn't until after you walked away that a few people surrounding me were like, do you know who you were just talking to? And I was like, you know, he said he was really knowledgeable about Drupal. Like, mm-hmm. I assume, you know, he probably, <laughs> he probably knows what he's doing. And, you know, then it clicked in my head like, oh, this is the founder of Drupal who mm-hmm. I was just speaking with casually for probably 15, 20 minutes. So anyways, oh, that's a little bit about my role. And, um, you know, definitely here to kind of contribute and provide my experience uh, pertaining to how DrupalCon went this past year. And also, you know, just learning more about Udrys and, kind of the inception of Drupal and, you know, what what the goals are moving forward. So that's a little bit about myself. I'll pass it over to Jason now, who's another member of our team, and, and he can kind of give some background as well. Yeah, good morning. And it's a privilege to be on this podcast with all you guys and Dries. It's funny because I was also doing PHP in my dorm, but my career had a totally <laughs> different trajectory. <laughs> and it's not many people who can say like you that you've created a CMS that powers like 1% of the internet or, I don't know, something pretty high. So, you know, kudos on that. You know, it's a, it's a major accomplishment, what you've done. And so for me, I've, I've been attending DrupalCon a couple of years now. And, you know, so it was nice to hear you uh, at DrupalCon giving your keynote speech. But also it was really great to have you here on the show as well. Yeah, I look forward to talking with you. It's a privilege. Yeah, thank you. So, Jason, you are heading up our more focused Drupal Acquia practice now. And we've been working with Drupal yeah. and, and Acquia in the past here and there here at AmericanEagle.com. You know, started with our own CMS back in the day, iDev, and that's continued to grow into a, an e-commerce platform as well called Rock Commerce. But over the years, we also started partnering with, and the, the lead up to Peter and the team he's on, the partnerships team, with all the different platform providers that started hitting the markets. And it was one of those where, Drupal was always one that we would have different projects come through and we'd work with. And as we've grown over the years, we really found a sweet spot with it now that we're focusing even more on it. And hence the first DrupalCon experience and and the relationships that we've been building. So we've been using it probably a little bit more behind the scenes, uh, not at the forefront of some of the other platforms that we've been with, but at the same time, we've seen the growth and opportunity with it. So we're really doubling down and bringing Jason on and really focusing on the opportunity to build that relationship together and build incredible digital experiences through the tool uh, and the platform itself. So we're very excited for all of that. As we look to jump into kind of the ask Dries anything. We do have a mm-hmm. script, of course, of <laughs> questions. We're not just going to just randomly ask a question. Uh, what is your favorite hair care product? Uh, but You know uh, what? I, I'm just going to jump in because I already asked. Like When I first met him, I was like, you know, I, I could probably use something. And he told me, and Dries, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were, when you first started, you were using egg whites, right? Like way back in the day. And now you're... Oh, well, as a kid. Yeah. Okay. There we I go. don't know if you know, but egg white, like, you know, punkers that with the huge mohawks, they use egg whites because yeah, um, it just hardens. Learn you something gotta, new every day. You got to well, try it out this. after this. I, well, I, I, I just don't have enough hair anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, if you give me like egg whites that dye my hair in the front and the you know scalp that's receding every day. Thank you for my four children for that moment in my life. Mm-hmm. But overall, no, <laughs> that was a great answer. So look yeah. at that. We did ask you anything. <laughs> Sounds like Peter already asked that, though. So we have some other questions definitely that we want to work through and talk about. So 
from just maybe a little bit more of the broader picture perspective, Peter, maybe you have a couple just about Acquia, the partnership that you want to go into. And then I know we have a couple others, Jason, a little bit more on the technical side, which we do go both into the marketing and technical side here. So don't worry if we go too deep, we'll eventually bring us back to the surface. Yeah, I can kick us off. I think some of my first couple questions pertain to just Drupal in general, and then I do have one or two pertaining to Acquia specifically. And, you know, Dries, I'm sure that you've run through this in in previous conversations, but just so that viewers fully understand, like, this is a platform that was started in your dorm room. Did you envision it back then becoming what it is now? I know it was a hobby, but, you know, when was the turning point? Like, what great logo did you guys get? Or when did you know, like, you know, this is not a hobby. This could be something, you know, incredible and and probably my future career. So I would just, you know. It's funny. Yeah. You know, looking back, it's hard. Like, in the moment, I felt like there's been many turning points. Like, for example, when I first open sourced the Drupal, as I mentioned, it was kind of my own personal site that I decided to open source. I expected 10 people to download it. So first of all, there wasn't a master plan in the early days, you know, and that's why I called it sort of accidental. Um, I was just having fun and sharing my work, expecting 10 people to contribute. And, you know, more and more people started to contribute. A couple highlights maybe or different moments I felt that there was a turning point. Like first was in the 2004 presidential election, I was in Belgium. I wasn't very familiar with U.S. politics, but Howard Dean was one of the candidates, as I'm sure many of you will remember and know better than I do. (laughs) But he was special in the sense that he was the first presidential candidate to leverage the Internet to campaign. And he built this campaign platform. It was called Dean Space, and it was actually built on top of Drupal. And so Dean Space, in a way kind of revolutionized campaigning. And because it was built on top of Drupal, it got actually some press, like, you know, there would be articles in the Wall Street Journal or, you know, whatever, New York Times. And it would go like, yada, 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 Dean Space, comma, built on Drupal, right? (laughs) So it was like subtle, subtle references to Drupal, but it actually led to lots of great things happening. And there was some investment that went into a company that would take that platform and make it more robust because they said the next presidential election, every candidate is going to use a platform like this. And that happened to be true. Every presidential candidate in 2008 was using Drupal, you know, to, to campaign online, which was pretty, pretty good. But to me, definitely that felt like, wow, that's kind of a big deal. You know, all of a sudden Drupal uh, is making it into some of that has a visibility in the media. I would say another turning point actually goes back to the first uh, DrupalCon. I was organized in Antwerp where I was living in 2005. And we found this little venue and we expected like maybe 30 people to show up. (laughs) And like, I think 40 or 50 people showed up and it was a huge scramble because we had to find another meeting room and we couldn't find one. And I just couldn't believe at the time that there was like 40 people that would be willing to travel to Belgium to talk about Drupal for a week. I mean, that was just the most crazy thing in my mind because I was working on Drupal at night and on the weekends and actually would never talk about Drupal to anyone, you know, and all of a sudden we have all these people that want to talk about Drupal. And that for me was unreal. And that felt like a, a turning point at the time. Now, looking back, that was like, not much, right? Like, yeah, I was going to say, like, fast forward to present day, and now you have several thousand people that attend on average. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. been crazy. 2008, whitehouse.gov switched to Drupal. 
which was a big deal and definitely a turning point because, uh, as you can imagine, a website like whitehouse.gov needs to scale, right? And President Obama would do these live State of the Unions and millions of people would be on the website at the same time. Uh, And also every script kitty in the world tries to hack whitehouse.gov, other nations and hacking groups. Like, I mean, it's a constant target for security threats, let's say. And that was a big turning point for Drupal too, because it gave a lot of credibility. Like, you know, people are like, wow, it actually scales. Uh, It's secure. Like in the whole, in the whole term of of President Obama, there wasn't any security issues, uh, no problems. And so huge testament to Drupal and really gave a lot of confidence to other organizations to go with Drupal's. To me, that felt like a big deal. and, And it was obviously. And so anyway, every time we got bigger and bigger, I felt like, wow, it can get bigger than this, you know? And then it did. (laughs) And so I feel like there's many turning points and MTV being one of them too. You know, I referenced MTV. I mean, like, wow, MTV is using my hobby project. That's crazy. Uh, And of course, now I think almost every artist website runs on Drupal. There's thousands of artist websites from, and that's because Warner Music and Sony Music, all of these brands use Drupal for their artists. So, you know, it's come a long way, but continue to be amazed about what people do with Drupal and how it keeps growing and getting bigger. So my next question, kind of actually to piggyback off of that, because you mentioned a lot about scale and growth. What advice would you give in terms of trying to scale up a technology or an organization? Because, you know, in my head, Drupal was started in a dorm room and somehow it made its way to what it is today. Like, what advice would you give to someone who, you know, is in their basement, in their room, trying to, you know, create a hobby, and then eventually it gets bigger than what they expected? Well, first of all, there is no overnight success, right? Sometimes people think like, wow, how did Drupal get so big? And well, guess what? I spent 21, 22 years of my life (laughs) working on it. So um, it takes time to build a project or a piece of software and get it adopted. And the second piece of advice would be like I actually went through a big evolution, you know, like from being a student, computer science student, like I would, you know, build Drupal for myself <laughs> that evolved to building Drupal as a developer for other developers. And all of a sudden I'm managing a project. I'm helping to organize conferences. <laughs> I have to figure out nonprofits to help get a checking account. Um, we have to scale the infrastructure to learn how to fundraise for that to starting Acquia, you know. And Aquium has been a rocket ship, to be honest. Um, we raised $186 million to hire many, many people. We're about 1,500 or so employees. I think we're over that now. And so my journey has been an interesting one where I to constantly evolve my skills. And I would say my advice would be, you know, we wouldn't have been here if I was sort of stuck being a developer. You know what I mean? I had to reinvent myself uh, learn marketing, sales, fundraising, you know, managing teams, managing people that manage people. So I had to kind of go on a journey and not everybody wants that and that's okay too. But I think if you start a project in your dorm and if it's going to be widely successful, you need to figure out a lot of these things. Either yeah. you do that yourself or you find people to help you do all of these things, but it's not sufficient to just write software. You know, you're going to manage people and communities and budgets and money, do marketing, hire people, that kind of stuff. Got it. Got it. On that note, again, speaking of hiring people, while I was at Acquia's SMKO, I 
I realize that you guys have added a ton of new and great talent to your team over this past year. I was present, but a lot of our viewers were not. So I would love if you could just share the upcoming goals in 2022-2023 for Acquia. You have this great, sizable team now. What are you striving towards? Yeah, like, I mean, the history of Acquia, maybe it's useful if I talk very briefly about the history because I think it helps you understand sort of our future, right? So as I mentioned, we were born out of Drupal and the original vision was to be to Drupal what Red Hat was to Linux, which essentially means providing commercial support, right? That was the original business model for for many open source companies at the time. Very quickly, we kind of changed gears, if you will, or we added on top of that. Because Amazon had just launched AWS when just after we started the company and we kind of bet the whole farm on building a PaaS, a platform as a service for Drupal, which really helped us grow tremendously fast. And so we were basically, we helped pioneer a business model to deliver open source in the cloud back in 2008 and very successfully. Uh, And then I would say five years ago or something, maybe six years even, we decided to expand beyond just content management and content management in the cloud to DXP or digital experience platforms. And the vision, I think is pretty simple, is ask yourself the question, if you are going to be a digital business, if you want to be a winner in the digital world, what do you need, right? And obviously organizations need a website, (laughs) but they also need a lot of other things. They need email marketing, Typically, email is a very important channel. They may, they have to usually invest in data, understanding their users and visitors so they can deliver personalized experiences. Uh, and so that leads to things like personalization products, but also CDPs, customer data platforms. And so in the last five years, Acquia has evolved beyond you know content management in the cloud to having a portfolio of products. And we have uh, built some of those ourselves and then we have acquired others. And today we have our Drupal cloud, which is that original business and that's doing well and growing. And we have a marketing cloud, you know, which different tools and products for marketers. And that includes things like email marketing, personalization, CDP, some of it, and some other things. We bought a, a DAM, a digital asset management company. We have a PIM, a product information management solution. Again, all the tools that digital organizations need to be successful in you know, 2022. And so if you ask me, what's the vision yeah. for, for Acquia, it's, you know, it's continuing to expand our leadership in DXP. And in a short five or six years, we've evolved from you know, being kind of a small player or not even a player to being a leader. Today, I think if you were to look at the Gartner Magic Quadrant, I think we're the clear number two in DXP behind Adobe. Like we're in the top two or top three, depending on how you look at it. Uh, so we've done well in the last five years, very fast. I think we've grown to become a leader and we want to extend that leadership, you know. So we, we will continue to invest in all of these things that I mentioned, but we're also remain fairly acquisitive. You know, we want to acquire companies that complete our portfolio of solutions. At the same time, we're investing heavily in things like headless and decoupled architectures, uh, you know, stuff like that, which is less about products and more more about, um, I guess, architectures, as I mentioned, a, a new way of doing things. So that's kind of where at the high level where we're focused. I don't know, Peter, if that answers your question. But No, no, no. I, I think that's a, that's a great response. And 
it's just so interesting to see like the growth take place in real time. So I just wanted to know, you know, what are what are the next steps? So yeah, no, that was a, a great, great response. Dries, I just want to thank you for that vision of everything with just going through all the acronyms as well, right? Uh, I, I've been in that space with the evolution of everything, but I think the the biggest one I, I just want to ask a little bit more of insight from you on is regarding the CDPs. And I have seen that be a focus of a lot of organizations as something that they need to be exploring or going into. But I've also had the challenge of having to explain to them the true opportunity that a CDP provides compared to all the other databases that exist with the digital MarTech stack that they have with all that information. So from your perspective and how Acquia is moving forward with the CDP and more of that marketing arm of everything that is happening and also part of the technical arm with the architecture side, how do you see all of these starting to blend together in the right way to mm-hmm. what I would call bring data into a state of harmony versus a silo of individual data storage areas? How, how is that really in Acquia's vision How's that coming to fruition with all these acquisitions, with all the kind of different ways that data is stored and used in today's digital experience build out being focused on? Yeah. Well, let me step back for a second and then answer your question because, well, first of all, what is it that you want to do, right? You want to deliver great experiences to your visitors, your customers. And what does it mean to be a great experience? You know, it means it's a relevant experience. It's real time. You understand your visitor. It's like going to your local pub and the moment you walk in, they say, hey, Jason, you want the regular? (laughs) You know, that's a great little experience, right? And so how do we transfer that notion that we often experience in kind of the real world? How do we replicate that in a digital world? So that's the goal, right? And to do that, you need two things. One is great content. And two is really understanding your users. And so great content, you manage that in a CMS or a DAM. Understanding of your users, that's really what a CDP is all about. So I just wanted to maybe explain that. I know you guys know, but it might be useful. And so the problem is this. Organizations have a lot of silos today. And you can probably see it in your organization if you're listening. Like there's usually a web team responsible for the website. There is an email marketing team. It's completely different from the web team. There is a um, an e-commerce team with merchants, often completely different from the email marketing team. And you have all of these organizational silos. And it's driven by the fact that you have all of these different tools and that these tools don't integrate well. And so what happens is you have a lot of data silos. You know, and a great example would be this, and I actually experienced this a while ago where I, so I was born in Belgium, as I mentioned, so my native language is Dutch, my second language is French, and actually my third language is English, right? So when I go to a website and it offers me different choices, I may set it to Dutch because that's my main language. And so I did that on a website and literally the next day I would get an email in English, (laughs) you know, and that's because whatever they use, Marketo, wasn't integrated with their websites, whatever they use for their website, I don't know. And it's a great example of how organizations miss the mark in delivering great experiences. It's a small example, but I can give you dozens of those. And for me, it's okay because I actually do speak English, but if it was my grandparents, 
they actually don't speak English very well. And so now you've missed out, right? Because <laughs> if you send them an email in a language that they have a hard time reading. Anyway, you get the point. And the problem is all of these data silos and the lack of integration between the different systems. So what the CDP does is twofold. One, it integrates all of the data sources across the organization. So it will hook into your CMS. It will hook into your email marketing. It will hook into your CRM. It will hook into everything. And actually on average, our customers, we see they have like 15 different integration points, including bespoke databases, all the things in the organization. So that's really step one is like hook into all the data sources, legacy sources, new sources, whatever it is. And from there, build a unified customer profile. You know, so you have one definition of who is Jason, who is Peter, you know, everything about them in one place. And then you can use that data. And by the way, unifying those data sources is hard, you know, because there is a lot of incorrect data, outdated data. You know, we have to do machine learning based fuzzy matching and all of the kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I can talk more about that. But once you have that user profile and it's a clean, reliable user profile, now you can use that to drive a lot of your activities. You can use it to personalize content on your website. You can use it to personalize email campaigns. You can use it to you know, customize mobile experiences. You can push it back into your service centers too, your customer support teams, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of the second part is like, how do you use that profile to activate? Uh, how do you activate that data and how do you use it to personalize experiences? And usually a CDP and, and definitely Acquia, we, we're investing heavily in machine learning based technologies there to kind of try and automate. Because once you have all of that data, it's a lot of data. <laughs> You know, and it's hard to kind of manually deal with that. So you have to rely on machine learning based automation to to make sense of it. But we can do things like, you know, we can learn, for example, that Peter is really good at reading email in the morning, but Jason is more of a, an evening emailer. And so like the machine learning algorithms like start to use all of that information to optimize the experience. That's just one example. So that's what a CDP does. And it has actually tremendous results for our customers, it, they usually means they can send less emails <laughs> to customers and every email is more relevant. So they would bring down their cost, but increase their conversion rate, which is obviously you know very beneficial. And so that's what a CDP does. And I think it's kind of a new era still, I don't know. It's been around for a while, but at the same time, it's kind of new. And I think a lot of organizations are CDP curious, if that's a word, yeah. trying to figure it out. Uh, but we see a lot of opportunity in the CDP world. And to me, it comes back to what I said in the beginning, like the two fundamental building blocks is our content and data. And CDP is basically the data store, you know? And so I think it's going to be as important as your content store. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Dries, I appreciate that you took it back a step at the beginning and talked about that digital experience because that is what it's all about. And that's what you need to have the data provide for your end users is that personalized experience. And no matter what the channel, right? So the website is one channel that you can deliver that through, emails another, socials another. I mean, that machine learning, that capability to process and identify the correct opportunities to deliver at the right time, at the right moment, on the right device even, is so important for truly building that relationship from an organization to their end users or customers overall. So I really appreciate That's you right. kind of walking us through that. Thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. This episode is part one of a two-parter podcast 
Depending on when you listen to this, part two will have come out directly after this one in two weeks. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and sharing this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And also don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, and I'll catch you in the continuation of this lesson. <laughs>